It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. The year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. Hello and welcome to Chats, the television podcast, season six, Chats on Five. My name is Alan. And I told you, Mr. Morden, <laughs> this is the last time an empty eye sees through to an empty heart. And this glass of Corona Rita is empty. <laughs> now refill my glass and I will then decide if you are still worth Keeping around. Ah, Minister Magellan. <laughs> oh, no. So glad you could join us here at the Applebee's. <laughs> oh, hey, Londo. Welcome. It's good to see you. Um, <laughs> I hope you haven't heard the things that I've said about how both I love you and I sort of pity you. I read something about something something owned man in space. Oh boy! Well, you're gonna hear a lot more of that today, my friend. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Londo um, had to go um, accept uh, a, mm-hmm. a accept a, a, a Peabody Award. Yeah. What are you exactly. No, he's like somebody was like, "Hey, can you can you take this briefcase? I'll be right back." And he's in an airport, and now he has to deal with a, oh, a stranger's briefcase. Yeah. Now you gotta talk to security and all that. Did I tell you? I did tell you that happened to me at a bu- the bus station recently. Yeah, Not to you me. Told me. And then the police were like, "Dude, dude, <laughs> come yeah. on, <laughs> come on! This is like it's eighteen years after nine eleven at this yeah. point. <laughs> like you should have." learned the new rules we have unspoken rules about bags and not touching them if they're not yours well they're also spoken over the loudspeaker so that's true they yeah, post it everywhere const- constantly so it goes so it goes this podcast uh, is kind of spoken over loudspeakers if you think about yeah, it. yeah in the sense that we speak over each other yeah constantly <laughs> is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. uh hey you're alan right theoretically hi hi man Hello. do we ever say your name no my name is Alan and blank, Magellan. Oh, yeah, yeah. You always say it. Yeah. That's true. Well, hey, how's it going? Hi. It's going very well. Thank you for asking. It's uh, super early here on Chat Salon 5. We're recording at 3 a.m. Yeah. Uh-huh. The sun isn't even out yet. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's a Saturday those, morning. We're chilling. You do hear the birds chirping, but those are night, those are night birds. <laughs> the dreaded night birds. One of them has descended and stolen my liver. Yeah. But it'll grow back in a day or so, and then they'll proceed to steal yeah. it over and over again. You're like tied to a rock. Yeah. And trails hanging open for all exactly. eternity. It, it, honestly, dude, it do be like that. <laughs> <laughs> it do be like that for all times. <laughs> it do be like that all the time. Final season, am I right? <laughs> Just like being tied to a rock and getting your entrails pulled out. Oh, you're so relatable, too. <laughs> Dating apps, am I right? <laughs> oh, stop it. You're relating too much. Sorry, I'm too related. I'm too relatable. We're related oh, now. I can't take all these. I can't. You're my uncle now. Oh, shit. I'm family now. This. You're your family. This is Chats Television Podcast. <laughs> We're Chats. This is family. <laughs> what do we do? Can you tell them who we are and what we do every time? 
We're well, here. generally, we are Magellan and Alan. We watch TV shows. We watch two episodes of them a week. And this is Chats on 5, where we watch two episodes of Babylon 5 a week. Yeah. This week, we watched season four, episode five, The Long Night, as well as season four, episode six, Into the Fire. The Long Night was written by Jumbo Mumbo Strumbo. It was directed by John Lafia, uh, who is a first-time director. He'll go on to direct another episode in season four. Um, Glad to hear he's getting work. I'm so glad to hear he's getting work. That's true. It aired January 27th of 97, so we're officially in 1997, which is great. Yes, great year. Huh? The Clinton administration Oof, dude. is continuing yeah. to incarcerate people of color at unprecedented wow. levels. Ooh, kill him. No, don't kill him. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. This sorry. episode takes place from Wednesday, January the 22nd to Friday, January 24th of 2261. John, what happened in The Long Night? In this episode, Sheridan continues putting the pieces in place for his final strike against the Shadows and the Vorlons, while Londo and Veer make the final preparations for assassinating Emperor Cartagia. Alan, um, how does it feel to be doing the last episode of Chats on 5 right now, just to be done? Because we watched the last two episodes of the show. Yeah, it's wild that there's no more. I think there's a glitch in my Amazon that keeps saying that there's yeah, other episodes. There's like, they wrote summaries for episodes that don't exist. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. Must be some is... like fan fiction thing. I think so. I think it's like a fan, fin- like it's like how they had to get money to do Peacekeeper Wars, but it's not like this. It's not all the same crew of the original show. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's cool that those things can happen, I guess. But the original is what really matters. True. And the the original does end with the, these episodes yeah, that we watched this week. it's done so. now, so... Um, yeah, we talked a lot about season four has just been lightning fast. And as we reach the long night into the fire, it's like, yeah, no, these, there are arcs that are completely done that we thought were going to last, like maybe through the whole season series. Yeah. And they, they might've not even been finished in the series. And they're like, no, 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 now is the time. And so the long night is a lot of really fantastic setup. Um, it's a lot of good pieces being built. As you had mentioned to me over text, there's some stuff in here that like actually makes up for a lot of the annoying war plot lines of the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it right Immediately what I thought about was we're still in January of 2261, yeah. and this is the busiest month in history. <laughs> right, right. In the history of the whole galaxy. <laughs> Seriously. Between all the assassinations and wars and conflicts and people moving around, it's like all of this was in January. It feels like, yeah, all the stuff that's talked about in the intro monologue of, like, this is the end of history, this is the year everything changed. Yeah. It's like, this was the month, actually. (laughs) And then the rest of the year was kind of uneventful. We just sort of hung out. We went to Cabo. We got got boat drinks. Um, We went to the yacht. Garibaldi had an ATV that he kept driving around and beeping. Yeah, shirtless. Yeah, he just wouldn't put a shirt on. (laughs) We all asked him to put a shirt on. We gave him our shirts. We gave him like a Daffy Duck printed um, Hawaiian shirt. And he was like, yeah. nah, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, like, he just framed it, put it up on his wall. <laughs> and he starts like worshipping it. Yeah, he he became a sort of like cultist. Yeah, he had like a whole anyway. faction of people on the aisle on Cabo. Anyway, uh, that was what I did on my summer vacation. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it feels like. The biggest stuff is done, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> After well, these two episodes. it. I almost think um, 
this stuff could have been saved for the end, and then the other stuff that's left is what could have started the season. Just because right. like, the, the scale is different. Like we're working on a like pan galactic scale in these episodes, talking about the Vorlons and the Shadows as like people, as real races of of people that. Um, have interiority and stuff that stuff is discussed right. in both of these episodes and then it's like oh also earth is gonna fight us and you're like wait no the scale like the scaling is all off here yeah we don't <clears> know <throat> that yet by the way that earth is gonna fight us well i know i mean they still have problems with earth is what yeah. we know <laughs> we just, um yeah. there is uh this episode starts with a dark well there's that stuff about giants in the playground at the beginning there's like good captain sheridan recording his final log being like this mm-hmm. is the last log um, the giants are in the playground. And then there's a dark meeting on Centauri Prime uh, with yep. Veer and Londo. And we're like, what's this going to be about? Um, we have Cartagia and his dumb squeaking jester. I really like this scene because this is like the last showcase for Cartagia's shittiness. Yeah, and it's just he's, insanity. He's being a terrible person. And then the jester like starts impersonating him. And like the whole room freezes. Everyone's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, is he gonna kill a jester? And he's like, "Nah, he's a good guy. I like that guy. He's making fun of me." <laughs> yeah, and then he kills him later. And then he does kill him later. Exactly. <clears throat> um, uh, Woody Cartagena continues to just be the best, right? Like he's just a real fun. Yeah, I'm man. sad to see him go. I, I mean, you know, he didn't overstay his welcome, which is good, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's the. For some reason, whenever I see characters like this that are like insane. <laughs> Like the Mad King archetype. Yeah. I'm like, man, I wish I could play that guy. <laughs> it seems so fun to be that character. Um, there were moments with Cartagia where I thought he was kind of hammy in a way that was a little too hammy. But I thought he really nailed it in this episode. Um, and you see, I guess we could just talk about this plot first, right? The sure. Londo, Veer, Cartagia, uh-huh. all that stuff. Um, so essentially what ends up happening in this episode is Londo has lured Cartagia to Narn to try to, or he, you know, he convinced him last episode, if you go to Narn and execute Jakar, that is like a symbolic act that will demonstrate your godly wisdom and power before you ascend to godhood. Mm -hmm. And he's like, cool, cool. That sounds good to me. I'm going to do that. Um... At the beginning, in this scene, this court scene, he says to Londo, you're going to be my high priest. Like, we're going to hang out forever. <laughs> we're going to yeah. be best buddies eternity for all priest. of eternity. Uh, and Londo's like, ooh, actually, I I mean, I have some plans. I could move uh, some stuff no, around. Yeah, but... it's cool. It's fine. It's actually fine. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, And I loved... So there's a, the assassination plot, and we'll talk about the Jakar parts of this in a second, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but Veer and Londo are co-conspirators in this assassination plot to get rid of Cartagia. There's uh, an amazing, heartwarming kind of scene where Veer brings the weapon to Londo. And he says, like, here's the blade. It's poisonous. This is how it works. Uh, it's gonna the poison will kick in after a certain amount of time and they just slip in there by the way that's the centauri have two hearts which oh it was not something that we knew before did not catch that yeah because he says veer says you need to stab him in the chest between his hearts oh and his hearts will stop 
Interesting. So the Centauri have two hearts. Um, kind of cute little, two, little building thing. Two hearts, three-headed penis, big hair, can't lose. <laughs> right. Um, and the they start riffing Veer and Londo. This is like the friendliest they've been ever to each it's other. It's so nice, and then it's so awkward for a second. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's uh, he, a couple of moments long enough for him to say, Londo killed me. And then Veer's like, oh, that, he's the friend that like takes the bit too far and it's not funny anymore. Exactly. It's me. He's like, what if, what if he switches the words around and says, kill Londo? And Londo's <laughs> oh. like, dude, dude. Uh, okay. Uh. <laughs> um, and then what's so you know, when you watch that scene, you're like, okay, cute. Like, what narrative surpus- sur- What narrative purpose did that serve? I don't really know, but I enjoyed it. And what I realized later is that the genius of that scene is that it cements in your mind, like, oh, Londo's the guy that's going to kill Cartagia. Yes. Well, he literally says, like, Veer's the kind of person who would never pull the trigger. Yeah. You know, he's like, you- you're great, and I love you, and I appreciate the work you've done, but you're not going to, you would never do it. Yeah. Like, and so yeah. you you as the viewer leave the scene like okay veer's like in on it which is a lot for him and londo's gonna do the kill because that's yeah. who londo is got it he does kills and then in the scene where jakar is brought before Cartaja, he breaks his chains uh which by the way such a cool moment because londo told jakar like we weakened the chains for you and then the chains got swapped and Jakar still broke the <laughs> new strong chains. He's such a strong boy. My that, lad. What a, what a like powerful, glorifying moment for Jakar. That he literally escaped on his own through his own like sheer force of will. Right. He didn't need to conspire to do any of this, really. He could have just. Yeah, he could have um, just done it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I like that Cartagia is like, death by vivisection. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh my God, they're going to like slice Jakar in half. Yeah. He cracks the chains in half. He just starts wrecking dudes. He's just like flipping the the stocks back and forth and hitting people. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have Londo in the back being like, Cartagia, we got to get out of here. Let's go to this private murder room that I'm going to take you to. Uh, he goes for the knife to stab Cartagia. Cartagia makes him drop it. And you're like, oh, no, is the whole plan going to fail? Are we going to lose Londo? Yeah, and I loved... This is, like, one of my favorite Cartagia moments, I think, where he just totally loses it on mm-hmm. Londo and, like, starts beating the shit out of him and choking him. And, like, he's really insane. <clears throat> like, he's not... And he's not finding out that Londo's trying to kill him in all of this. No, he's just unpredictably volatile. Right, he's just like, screw you. Why, why weren't you there? Why didn't you check on the chains? I hate you. Choke, choke, choke. Yeah. Um, Londo can't reach the knife. He's swearing that the plan is not going to work. And then, of course, why? Th- this has to happen. Right, and it always had to happen. And of course, now we know that it was always going to be this way. If, we we, if anything, we were it. foolish for not knowing it. Yeah. Veer comes in from behind and jabs uh, Cartagia in the Oof. back. Oh, man. I sent you an all-caps text when that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I wrote a lot of S's at the end of my yes in my notes here. Uh, I wrote here, before it came up, I said, if Veer does it, I'm deceased instantly. Instantly, okay? And then it did happen, and I was like, no, now I'm dead. Yeah. You That's killed so him perfect. and me. Yeah. It's so perfect. Yeah. What a good way for, for Cartagia to go. What a good moment for Veer, especially... Um, with the Morden scene later, like all of this is now on uh, Veer's hands, and he's just like, "Oh shit, I did this." Mm-hmm. 
a lot of a lot of these this season is now becoming about like accepting the position that you're in and learning that your responsibility carries weight and your actions are affecting other people in in large scale ways even if you think you're a background player yeah and like what does it mean to act with honor and i think that's going to be a big part of veer's trajectory from here forward yeah it's like he's done he's murdered somebody you know and it was like for the greater good sure Uh but he's still killed someone and so how does he reckon with that and keep that from corrupting him because i think what londo acknowledges at the end of this episode is like veer i was really envious of you is it is it the end of this episode that he has that conversation i think it is right i believe so because veer like gets drunk and he's like oh i Really oh yeah, that's like dialogue. three scenes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, like, "Oh, I yeah. took a drink for me, and then oh, I couldn't be rude, and I drank Cartage's drink because he's dead, and then I drank, and I kind of got into this cycle." And <laughs> he says, um, "Um, he says I've been drinking, and I, he says I figured it always worked for you, Londo, which whoa. is rough." And then he says, "How much more before I look in the mirror and don't see myself?" Which is whoa. terrifying. Uh, he's lamenting his position in life. He's basically saying, like, I didn't sign up to be part of a conspiracy. I've always wanted to just like live a happy life, make a job, get work a job that makes money, have kids, like and... love a wife, and maybe she would love me too. Yeah, <laughs> like, Veer, buddy, Veer, you're allowed to be happy. Yeah. And Londo once again is just seeing a crystal clear reflection of himself in Veer here. Um, well, but like, and a... and even like, not even himself, like the person that he realized he gave up on trying to be because he thought that you had to be this like manipulative corrupted guy in order to get what Mm -hmm. you want uh and he tells veer that there is still hope for you and that is why i find that i still envy you just confirming that like there's nothing left for me man um there's a couple more oh sorry so the question with veer's character from this point forward is like he's done a murder Mm -hmm. he's done a kill he's done a kill is he going to embrace that and follow that and just become another like londo type uh makes bad decisions for this twisted version of what he thinks the greater good is or is he going to reject that and you know stay wise and it remains to be seen dude it's the really scary thing about there still being a lot of show left is like if this was the end of the show then we could be like okay veer figures it out like choosing to end the show here would be like we can choose to have the sort of optimistic spin but with a season and three quarters left it's like mm, very unlikely that this just works out cleanly for him because he's still a character on the show that has to have an arc right yeah Uh, i love that they they look outside and they see fireworks they realize that this the centauri realize that they're leaving narn finally Mm -hmm. i thought it was cheesy there are a couple veer moments that were a little corny for me the fireworks um, mostly works for me because it's them seeing um, Centauri Prime on fire. The f- oh, well, they're right? not on. They're on Narn though. Or well, I guess you're right. So that's true. Never mind. But they're seeing that's it's the idea of like seeing things on fire and being like, oh, it's all up. Is it for good or bad reasons and that kind of thing? Like the mystery. Yeah, of, like, I, I the like the f- I like the fireworks. What I didn't yeah. like was when Veer is at the window and he's like, yeah, what was it all for? What, what was, was any of any it of it for? <laughs> like, come on! It's it, it pushes into a little bit melodramatic. That that's the moment I think our thumbnail is going to be from. Our thumbnails have just been veer shots for the last couple of weeks, which is that's I'm fine with it. Fine by me. Yeah, he's got a great face, Stephen First. Um, yeah. yeah, he's going like, what was it all for? 
um, before this scene, we get, and speaking of like really clean, mm-hmm. um, uh, with Cartagena murdered, um, Londo is brought into the council and they're all like, hmm, so I guess you're the boss now? Okay, sounds good. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, okay, that wasn't hard at all. Um, and then he's like, what sh- they're like, what should we do about the Narn? He's like, get off their planet. They're like, okay, I guess we're done with the Narn. Yeah. <laughs> and you're prime minister now. It's like, so, I no really conflict. love watching Londo and his element as the kind of like manipulative climber guy, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but doing it begrudgingly and kind of hating himself for using his political acumen to put himself forward like right. i don't think he even had a grand design of becoming prime minister he seemed kind of surprised that they that, uh, that was nominated him for that yeah i think by the time he had accepted this assassination plot he was like either i die or something else terrible happens i mean later in i think the second episode he's like veer just kill me like let's just end it because yeah. the vorlons yeah. are coming um we'll talk i yeah we will talk about that uh speaking of people not being happy with what success looks like uh jakar now free is um in the throne room well let's let's talk about jakar up until then and then get to that scene oh for sure yeah Yeah. Um, so the first time we see jakar in the episode mm -hmm. is when londo goes in to check on him he's like you lost an eye what the heck dude yeah well that's fucked up man sorry about that you can't see anymore jakar's like i can see better than I've ever seen before, blah, blah, blah. I can see things now that were invisible before. An empty eye sees through to an empty heart. Mm. And then he says, your heart is empty, Malari. Did you know that? Did you know that? (laughs) And Londo, I thought Londo was going to say like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Yeah, super did. Been empty. But he just kind of goes past it and he says, you know, your heart's going to stop beating if you don't do what I need you to do. Yeah. Um, the Londo and Jakar stuff continues to be so engaging and sad because they both just know it's like siblings or something. They know how to cut right to each other's core effortlessly. And it's sort of like, it's interesting because both of them are striving towards self-redemption and the redemption of their society because Mm -hmm. both the Centauri and the Narn are locked into this eternal struggle that is going to destroy them both right mm-hmm. that's kind of like a theme of jakar's um epiphany i guess when he was in his mind and kosh maybe was his dad or something yeah um and jakar you know i think he has succeeded in redeeming himself i think londo has failed in that sense or he's still on the path to self-redemption But it seems like Londo has succeeded in redeeming the Centauri, maybe, through Veer. And Jakar, it looks like, so far has failed in redeeming the Narn. Right. As as it has been... As a people. Yeah, exactly. As has been traditional of them, their relationship, they're having, like, they're going about the same things, but having, like, opposite results. Mm Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, because, yeah, Londo's plotline definitely feels like the Centauri can live on somewhat peacefully under better rulers and hopefully move somewhere progressive. But yeah. Jakar is like, I did all this work so that you guys could free yourselves. And now you're riding in the throne room. Like, what right. did I what did I fight for? What a haunting scene. huh? So I guess yeah. we can jump to that. So Jakar uh, basically is like, fuck you, Londo. 
Like, I'm still going to do your shit, but you are doomed and you are going to hell. <laughs> and then Londo's like, okay, cool. Well, see you there uh, in the throne room. Jakar breaks his own chains by his own sheer strength. And then, yeah, he walks in on the Narn just trashing all of the Centauri stuff that they left behind. Um, and he says, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? They're and, celebrating their freedom. They're celebrating liberty. Yeah, like we've gotten rid of the Centauri and now you can help us. You can be the instrument of our vengeance. Be our king, Jakar, yeah. basically. And Jakar's like, no, guys, like we need like a republic. Remember, we had a republic. It was pretty cool. I like, did not no, remove no, no, one no, dictator no. from the throne to become a dictator myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great that the Jakar is still thinking in the broad scale of like we need political change. We don't just need like kill the bad guy, replace him with another guy because I'm not yeah. inherently better than than whoever we had before. Right. Um and he's realized that like the longevity of the Narn does not depend on destroying the Centauri. The longevity of the Narn as a people depends on them rebuilding and healing themselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like finding an inner dignity in peace. Uh, and he, he encourages them to do that. And then this guy, Jalarn, I guess, um, is like, Jakar, what? <laughs> this is such a good moment. He's like, Jakar, what have you en endured? What have you even endured? Yeah, what, where what were you, bro? Where were you? What did you suffer when we were under under fire and under the boot of the Centauri? And he doesn't answer. He just well, cackles. You the, yeah, you have to love the direction of he's like facing away. And mm -hmm. he turns. And I think he turns with his eye first. His eye leading. And so his eye patch is revealed as his head is turned. You're right. And then he responds and he's like, what have I endured? And yeah, cackles and like laughs his ass off and just leaves. It's powerful. Sorry, I was watching it back just because it's an extremely good moment. Yeah. But it yeah, sort of when... calls to mind like, you know, uh, Moses wasn't allowed into Israel kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you can lead your people out of hell, but you might not be the person who can lead them to the promised land like Jakar's exactly. fate might be that he saved them from destruction and he's going to be misunderstood and thought of as mad and he did all this work for for to be forgotten basically yeah, basically yeah it's the rejection of glory too which is a very like christian ideology mm -hmm. it's like he's not doing this to be king like londo is he's doing this to fix things and then get the hell out of dodge right londo, he wants londo not, accepts Londo accepts power right away. Mm -hmm. Like he's still locked into that ambition. Yeah, Even he's like, prime minister, sure, I can do this. Reasons, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's powerful stuff. I mean, this is all happening so quickly, but it all feels like we've it's earned mm -hmm. and it's meaningful, which is really. Like such a success of the show's format of its of its long form format, yeah, no wasted time. Uh, we have a whole other plot in this. I episode. know, right? Like, what the fuck? Like, all of that happens. All of this amazing like <laughs> conversation and like an assassination and oh, like the reabdication of duty, and then like also Brian Cranston is here, you guys. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, the Babylon 5 stuff starts with Ivanova having a really sad conversation with John about how nobody ever comes back for her when they say they will. Her, her dad never did. Her mom never did. And yeah, so when he's her mom, like, came to watch her play and was like, I'll be right there. And then she went killed herself yeah exactly so she's used to people leaving and so when he's like we're gonna go on the front lines i don't want you on there because he's pulling a sheridan to garibaldi thing being like i like you and that's why i don't want you to fight she's like no just let me be there like i need to be part of this um which is fantastic but i've seen um sort of like long form criticism that they don't do enough with ivanova in this series and i think this is like the best stuff we get like she's not necessarily a doer all the time unfortunately and that mm-hmm. is a little bit of a bummer because there are so many doers on this show but she is a thinker and a maker um yeah and this idea that like you can still be an important character even if you're not the person with the knife of this episode mm-hmm. yeah i think she's she's definitely underused and it feels like a lot of her conflict is internal mm-hmm. um she's dealing she's coping with like her psychic abilities she's coping with herself as a military person and like her religious identity and uh Lorianne comments on this like he says that's the language of the mind what does he say is the language of the mind like logic or something i don't remember i don't um, remember yeah but he says something is the language of the mind what does your heart say and then she's like my heart and i haven't talked in a long time mm-hmm. and he's like i noticed that <laughs> um, I, it's, it's like i saw yeah and so it's it is kind of frustrating that like the entirety of her character is about these internal struggles that uh don't often translate into her leading change like in the world around her but I do think that that's still really important and cool development that she has. Um the Babylon 5 plot this episode also has a a lot of good emotional payoff not just yeah. with Ivanova but um with the introduction of a new member of the Army of Light named Erickson uh played by a very young foppish looking Brian Cranston. <laughs> yeah. He's like kind of handsome. <laughs> He's like always just had a weathered face, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is probably him in his 30s or so. I don't I could probably do the math, but he definitely like just looks a little old all the time. Yeah, he he's always had that sort of like <laughs> chiseled dignity. Okay, nineteen ninety seven minus nineteen fifty six. He's forty one in this. Really? Yeah. What? Where's Malcolm in the Middle happening? He that doesn't hasn't happened yet, right? I think it's happening. No way. They got the happen- dad. No way did they get the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Oh to no! Two thousand. Two thousand. What a a fucking weird choice that would be. I guess that is Breaking Bad, though, huh? Yes. I guess that is what Breaking Bad fully did. Instead of like going from this dark, like doomed spaceman to a dad, they went from a dad to a doomed drug man. So, like, yeah, Yeah. he's had arcs. Um, Yeah, that's fair. He's had quite a career. Yeah, it's it's great to see him though. I mean, we we like him. He's a good actor. Yeah, he sells it. It's he really... just kind of jarring to be like, oh, that you're going to become famous. You're going to do a lot. Yeah. You're like the guy, even though you're a one-off, like instantly doomed man in this episode. Um, yeah. He sells it really well. Because you really need to cast this character really very well because his entire purpose is to die with like a sort of elegant dignity. Yeah. Um, he comes in and he's basically, because their plan, sorry to back up a little bit. The Babylon 5's plan is to have the shadows and the Vorlons attack each other. 
um, so that they don't damage more colonies and that they win and we don't have the earth doesn't have to or whatever um, the army of light doesn't have to fight them. Mm-hmm. Um, Erickson comes on and says the shadows are attacking more colonies. And here's a visual that I pulled and it looks like a really bad windows media player visualizer, mm-hmm. yeah. but like a scare, like bad in like a scary way. Um, and he describes that the shadows are using these nukes, which have a name that I can't remember. It's like yeah, planet, planet crackers or something like that. Well, the Vorlons have their beam, their planet killer beam. That yep. like blasts shit up, and then the shadows have something that like the death cloud. That's what. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. That casts this like big Jupiter storm cloud. It's, over it's like a nano nano chip storm that like nukes things and blow and digs holes into things. And he's yeah. describing it. And I like that. Um, him describing these nukes and how they're going to rip apart planets is scarier than like they don't have to show us bad CG of nukes. Yeah, it's just being like, yeah, the planet will be wiped out before people realize it. Like that's scary. That's successfully very scary. Yeah. Uh, Sheridan is is kind of rattled, obviously, and he says, "Like, let's get all the non-line worlds together, and we're all going to attack uh, Coriana Six, and it's time to end the Shadow War. There's no more planning. We're just going in there now." Because they know that the Vorlons are going to that world, Coriana Six, which mm-hmm. has some Shadow stuff stored on it, and also has six billion inhabitants. Right. And they it's know a whole the Earth. Vorlons are on their way to destroy that planet and his plan is to make sure that both factions are there and stay there um he sends he has erickson and his white star uh send a fake message out to babylon 5 and do not encrypt it with the Mm -hmm. intention that the shadows will intercept it and go oh shit we need to go to coriana 6 and we need to get there we need to be stay there as well um and attack whoever's there Mm -hmm. so the idea is like they will keep both factions the shadows and the warlands there they'll blow each other up it'll be great the problem is that Erickson is like, all right, cool, we'll fight, we'll do our best. And then Shannon's like, doesn't matter if you do your best or not, you're going to be one ship against two godly factions. Like, hey, are you married? That's the good moment. That's the line. Oh, man. And so he's like, hey, Erickson, like, thank you for doing this plan. Are you married? And Erickson's like, no. He's like, okay, uh, good. Yeah, Sheridan says there's that at least. And everyone else is like, fuck, bro. Dude, dude. And again, shout out to Brian Cranston just being like, yeah, we did sign up for this. We knew this was going to happen. Me and all of the Mimbari on the ship like planned. We we like signed up for the Army of Light knowing that like we're probably gonna have to sacrifice ourselves. I'm fine with it. Yeah. And he's still a person like they give you just enough personality out of Erickson that you still feel really sad that this is happening. Mm hmm. And then the wild thing about when Sheridan later is listening is he's not listening to a live transmission. We get we come back to Sheridan after this has all happened. Yeah, and he's listening and he, to the tape of the message they sent. Of them being like, all right, we're doing good. We're doing good. Oh, no. And they're all dead. And it's actually very sad. Yeah. Um, And then he kind of realizes talking to, I think, Delaney. He's like, yeah, no, none of us are guaranteed to survive. Like, we can win and still die. Uh, a lot of this, if you'll allow me to galaxy brain it for a bit. Yeah, sure. Feels like JMS and company realizing the fragility of middle age, of like late middle age. Okay. And, and being like, I could just wake up tomorrow dead. I could like change the world and make something beautiful and then die myself and not, and no one would remember me. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Because so much of this war plot is like, I'm going to put my whole heart and soul into this and then I might just lose. Right. Uh, and then that's further, further, further solidified by the last scene where uh, Sheridan finishes his final personal log ever. And talks about his first day on Babylon 5 and how somebody left a copy of Ulysses by Tennyson on his desk. Mm-hmm. And he reads the end of Ulysses, which is a good poem. 
That's what the poem's called, Ulysses. Ulysses, yeah. Hmm. Ulysses by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Um, it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's kind of easy to just be like, um, it's the it's the the poem about like how we're all we're all heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if I read this last little chunk yeah, here? Read it. It's a very long poem. So the end of it is basically, uh, though much is taken, much abides, and though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven. That which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will. To strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. Mm. It's very easy to read that as like a, not like a rah-rah war thing, but just like a, this is what we do, is we persist. Yeah. And I like that a lot. I think having the captain like read poetry on their log is like a little easy, but it works for me here. Yeah, I agree. It works better than in uh fucking uh what's that movie? What's that movie? That Independence Day? No. <laughs> it wasn't the movie that wasn't as good as we thought it could be, where it's like space and it's what's his face. What? The it's Inception guy and he made a space movie. Oh, Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah. It's not as Oh, bad yeah. is an interstellar where it's like, do not go gentle into that good night. And they just keep doing that over and over again, and it sucks. <laughs> it's like I read it to my daughter. It's an important poem to me. Like, shut up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It kind. It, it mostly works. This is this is the thing with Babylon Five is you kind of have to like be okay with cliches being done well. Like That's acknowledging like yeah, this yeah. is a cliche, but it's handled well here. I promise you. Right. But yeah. do be aware that it's it's happening. Um, that's basically what I got for this first episode. Meaty discussion. Only going to be made meatier by the second one. Yeah. I um, Lorien's in the second one, right? Yes. The okay, Lorien cool. stuff is all in the second one. Great. Yeah. So we'll talk about that soon. Um, the one, the one uh, stray thing. I think I said this. I texted this to you. But it's very hard for me now to take people saying in Valen's name seriously. <laughs> like Brian Cranston, is, he has this whole dignified thing where he's like okay so we're gonna go die so we should probably get ready i'm i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna crack like i understand my mission i'm doing it and it's noble and it's cool and it's really sad and you're like war is fucked up and being a general is fucked up because you have to tell people to do this a lot uh and then at the end he's like in valen's name and delenn kind of has this face of like ooh, uh yeah right valen in jeff's name <laughs> yeah in, in the name of my friend jeff from work <laughs> it's never not gonna be funny yeah um yeah i love in valen's name now the recontextualization of this like normal thing we probably heard a hundred times in the show before we knew what it meant yeah um speaking of which one of the emails we got as i transitioned into our email segment was Let's do it some Babylon 5 memes from our buddy Ryan oh, from the Spin Polish podcast. Lovely. Um, it being like one of the memes was like a galaxy brain about how uh, your, what is it called? The different ways that people interpret that, that whole, that whole situation. Let mm-hmm. me just find the meme. How about that? Yeah, just find the meme. meme. Uh, it's in here somewhere. I, I hit it so that I wouldn't look at it while we were talking. I found it. Small brain. Sinclair talks like a Mimbari. <laughs> Bigger brain. The current Mimbari society is modeled off of Valen. Larger brain. The Mimbari talk like Valen. 
slightly larger brain. Sinclair is Valen. And Galaxy Brain, the Minbari, talk like Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> He's just right there. They all just model themselves after this dude. It's great. Yeah. Um, John, we have uh, three emails this week. No money. Oh, can I read the first one? Please do. And you can read the Dan mail, and then we can yeah. take it to the close. Um, Ryan, again, from the Spin Polish podcast. You know what, Spit and Polish? I keep hearing about your show. Can you tell me what your show is about, please? Hello, listening people. This is Ryan Swinski from the Spit and Polish Presents podcast. On our podcast, we talk about movies. We have our weekly show, Unappreciated Masterpieces. Have you been looking at a movie and thought to yourself, why hasn't anyone podcasted about this? Why is there no audio commentary track about this movie that asks the questions that I've been asking? Well, guess what? We have that show. That is Unappreciated Masterpieces. And we have our monthly show, the mystery box. On the mystery box, we gather around together, open up a box that's full of films that have been found secondhand, and we try and break down what the heck we just watched. So, if you're looking for a new film podcast to add to your many, many, many podcasts that you're listening to, why don't you give us a shot? You can find us under all the podcast platforming sites and social medias under Spit and Polish Presents. Remember, until next time, listening people, you know, give, give whatever podcast you're listening to, you know, a rating and review. It's, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing to do for them. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Um, Ryan goes on to say, in regards to some of the stuff you're up to, it's interesting that in the first season, when Jakar is getting tortured with pain givers, he refuses to scream because of his pride. Mm. The first season also has that great moment in which the Vorlons come in to destroy a Deathwalker, or come in a destroy Deathwalker and tell the younger races that they're not ready for immortality, which plays nicely into the controlling nature of the Vorlons. Mm. Yeah, so we're getting a lot of stuff that has been brought up in season one and seemed kind of vague then, including Jakar's like torture stuff. Um, and then he has a question for us. Uh, he says, mm-hmm. say you're the best actors in the universe. If you could play a character big or small in Babylon 5, which one would it be? I would probably mm. play Narun because he's a, such a Shakespearean type. That's a good this one. This is easy for you, Magellan, right? Yeah, Emperor Cartagena, for sure, for sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that or Jakar. But just Ooh. because Quetzalus does such a great job with Jakar that he like makes it look... Like you could do it, and right, it looks doable. Like you cannot, uh-uh. you cannot match that performance. But Cartagena feels like a role that you know I could stretch and uh, years and years and maybe a decade of acting experience, and I could probably do it. If you get yourself there, yeah. Um, yeah. I would probably, I would like to do a version of Franklin, just mm-hmm. the like sad doctor who has to like, and like the scene where he's talking to himself. I'd love to do that and play both sides of that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of untapped pathos with Franklin's character that would just be fun to like kind of dig into and like be that that character. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Uh, Magellan, what's our next email? Our next email comes from our buddy Dan. It's the Dan mail. Dan mail. And these are Dan's thoughts on the summoning and falling towards apotheosis. And the email starts as all emails should. <laughs> By Dan saying, I agree with Magellan. Boo. And then actually there's no more email. It's wow. really just kind of a blank check uh, from Dan. So thank that you so sucks. much. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, 
The Sheridan Garibaldi stuff just does not feel good in these episodes. I get that it's not supposed to feel good, but that doesn't make me appreciate it anymore. It just seems like there's a bit too much going on there. Sheridan is back from the dead and is distant and has been walking around like he owns the place, whereas Garibaldi's paranoid and xenophobic and all around being weird about things. I don't like the ambiguity here. Have they both really changed in some fundamental way, or are they appropriately reacting to what's going on around them? For all we know, Sheridan could just be Lorien's sock puppet, and Garibaldi could be somebody's plaything. Or are they both just having an interesting day? I'm just not a fan of it. I guess we'll get more... I need some more Garibaldi, right? He's, yeah, I need to know where that's going. He does. He hasn't really mattered to either of these plots, and that's fine. I don't think that he could have done much. His main contribution in the first episode was just to talk at the table. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay. Um, but I'm very curious to just see what's up with that guy. By the time that Cartagena is talking about turning Centauri Prime into a funeral pyre, I think that he's less of a proper character more about being Londo's funhouse mirror reflection. Cartagena's great, but I think it's mostly in the sense of how he plays off of Londo and how Londo reacts to it, to this warped vision of the path he was walking. Mm-hmm. I think that his I'm going to let his this planet burn scene was less about Cartagena's craziness, though he is quite crazy, and was more about that moment afterward when Londo has to lean on a pillar to stay on his feet. Oh, Yeah. Good, good, good. And that's echoed, right? Where Cartage is like, you're, you're my guy. You're going to be the high priest. All of your skills have, like what Londo is best at and what he's realizing he's best at is he's best at ingratiating himself with someone who is purely mad. <laughs> he like understands how Cartage thinks in a way yeah, that, that I think disturbs him. Exactly. That's the fucked up thing about their relationship is that he that he manipulates it brilliantly. Yeah. Or he plays it, I mean. Looking at the viewing order of your future episodes, it's about what I would have expected. One thing that I've never been a fan of with all of these chronological viewing lists is the idea of getting down to the final episode, then setting it, then setting it aside to watch a couple of movies. As much of a stickler as I usually am, I'm not a big fan of keeping things purely chronological here. In this case, I'm a bigger fan of staying thematically pure in that moment. The show is ramping up to an end, and it very much feels like it. It feels very unnatural to me to break that stride by plopping in two movies uh, there that have absolutely nothing to do with the episodes leading up to them, or that one episode that's waiting there after them. They're this large, nonsensical aside that feels completely out of place, even though they technically fit time-wise. They're the classic anime filler arc. Personally, I'd suggest finishing out the last episode, then watching those movies. It's not like you'll lose sense of when they happen in the timeline any more than if you were to watch them where they're listed. As it is, there are other chronological impurities on that list anyhow. So that's my two cents on the viewing order. That's from Dan. Uh, Yeah, we'll take that into consideration, right? Yeah, definitely. Especially the, like, maybe just do the last episode. But a couple comments on that. Um, One, uh, I never... Like, I love finishing shows... Mm-hmm. Uh, I love finishing shows, but this is one of those shows where like I kind of want to savor the last possible episode. Yeah, I don't, you know? I don't want to end on the bullshit, right? <laughs> right. That's so. That's the that's the other thing is we are generally, yeah. or I, I consider myself firmly in the release order over chronological order for things because like this came out in a certain order and people understood it in that order. Mm-hmm. Um, people figured it out and understood how the things work. Like technically, well, is our were... watch order in release order though? 
Uh, I don't think I don't know if the movies are. Yeah. Um, but like technically, if we were doing perfect chronological order, we would have started with in the beginning, which would have been terrible. Right. Um. So that and it's that, and also like we're breaking it up because, like you said, if we were to just do like the whole show and then all the movies, we would be we would never finish any of the movies. We'd just be like, all right, well, I don't care anymore because the show is done. It's like right. doing all the side quests in the video game before you finish it, because once you finish it, why would you ever want to go back and do things? Well, there is validity to what Dan's saying of like the show is building you up to a finale and then you just kind of like pop that of the tension of that and then save the finale that also feels weird right bust the nut at the end yeah Yeah, you bust sorry um well i just this especially with season four like it's just gone so fast that i'm like i could use a break yeah like i'm excited for third space in two weeks because i'm like yeah let me just like get a fun like space adventure Mm-hmm. for a little while before we dig into more stuff mm. but um we'll definitely we'll keep that we'll keep with the season five i think we're definitely going to do season four episode eight then third space and the rest of season four but then after that like with the season five movies we'll play around because i know some people like hate the rangers movie and it might break pacing up for that but um, which one's the rangers movie oh the legend of the, the legend of the rangers yeah yeah okay so we'll see how that's going and then we have to figure out if we're gonna watch uh crusade crusade or not uh, can we yeah i think i've asked this before should we watch crusade is there is there meat in there for us to talk about yeah let us let us know if you've seen it i my inclination is like why not but you're right it's not that long it would only be a couple weeks it just take us like two two months probably to do it all exactly um but this is all these are good comments so thank you to yeah. dan uh you our final email yeah our final email this week comes from uh patrick of the brothers at infinite war uh, he simply says, <laughs> "Don't you guys think it's weird when Satari? Wait, wait, what? Cri- Crisis on Infinite Brothers? That's what it is. Oh, it took me a second to pull that title, but I got it. Yeah, I like that. All right, go ahead. Uh, he says, 'Don't you think? Don't you guys think it's weird when Centauri men give hugs, like when Londo and Veer hug? Yeah. Uh, not, oh, they, they really didn't know how to do that, huh? Nope. The, all they the back pats and stuff. How do we? How do we poke each other? They're just mashing their junk against one another, and he's like, 'I'm not. I'm, there's not anything wrong with that.'" And then the email just ends. <laughs> um, yeah, because don't they have like weird penises and I weird hair? I remember the, with the penises. They have a bunch of tentacles in their pants, right? Isn't that the penises? Or are they but on then, their chest? Or where where are those? Someone please explain um, Centauri anatomy to us. Just because I know like there was the episode with the poker where like Lanier and Londo were like playing poker, and then there was like yeah, a Londo, penis like, but, uses his dick to. But cheat. it wasn't Londo's dick. It was an alien. I thought. No, it was, it was Londo's like a, penis. No. Yes, he was using his penis to give himself more cards or something. Great, great show. Great, great. Great, Yeah, great show. As we've said before, that's the same Londo. (laughs) Yeah, like that's the guy that also is like Mr. Morden. (laughs) Oh, God, let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get there. Yeah, I'm ready to do it. Uh, We'll be right back after this brief musical break to discuss Into the Fire. Welcome back to Chatsalon 5. The second episode we watched this week was Season 4, Episode 6, 
into the fire. It was written by Jan... Wiggle Straczynski. <laughs> Jan Straczynski. Let me do that again. It was written by JMS, directed by Kevin J. Whoa, Kevin James. Kevin James is Dobson. directing this one. Kevin James Dobson. Kevin oh. James. Kevin, Kevin James. It was directed by Kevin James Dobson. Aired February 3rd, 1997. And it takes place from January 23rd to January 30th of 2261. Alan? Yes? What happened in Into the Fire? Taking it higher and higher. People should watch Wet Hot American Summer and all of its associated. Do it. Watch the the sequel, the prequel. All of it. It's all good. The movie is worth it alone, but then the rest of it's all fun. Uh, into the fire. Oh, Kevin James Thompson. Also, the only other thing he directed was what the hell happened was, to Mr. Uh, Harry Ball? Here comes the boom. Yeah, 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 a yeah. <laughs> Blink one eighty two. Here I am, a yeah. I miss uh, you, and I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I cannot cannot sleep tonight. I love you forever and always. God, we are just trashy. In this episode, at the height of the Shadow War, Sheridan stages a final showdown between the Vorlons and the Shadows at Coriana 6. You thought that the Long Night was going to be the busy episode, but you were stupid. Why'd you you think that? Why'd you, you, you idiot? Why'd you? This episode is even bigger. Um, we we talk about this feeling like a finale, and really, especially the Babylon Five plot is just like ending like it's gonna close out on some credits, and then we're gonna get like a Animal House epilogue of like it sure yeah. went on to die. Delenn went on to have a have a bigger wig. Yeah, exactly. Garibaldi also went on to have a bigger wig. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so far it's huge. There's some big both the law. I love this like technically small scale Londovir Centauri Prime plot and then the like exponentially larger scale but still equally personal Babylon 5 Shadow War plot. They're all it's all good right now. Um here's my thing with this man yeah, yeah. is Babylon 5 have built this whole cosmology that is like the Vorlons and the Shadows have been locked in this millennia long war between order and chaos. Yep. And here's the dude who was like the first dude ever uh and then by the end of the episode they're all like okay we're leaving forever yeah bye sorry there's no more big cosmic sci-fi plot and that's isn't that cool it is cool because it runs counter to my expectations of how sci-fi shows build season to season Mm -hmm. because and sometimes i i get kind of like annoyed's not the right word but it feels predictable when the way that sci-fi shows scale is they're like okay and now you meet the gods and now you know how it all started and babylon 5 is like yeah okay you know that now that it doesn't matter anymore uh, and we're gonna keep doing show for like a while it's it's definitely intentional. I mean, we we like goof that this feels so final, but 
imagining a world of Babylon 5 post Shadows and Vorlons post this mm -hmm. idea that where all of our fate is dictated by these other races and it's like okay now they're done what does life look like when we dictate our own fate and when mm -hmm. we make our own decisions what does that resemble um, and this is like the episode where Lorien and the Shadows and the Vorlons are all basically handing off the torch and saying alright guys it's your turn to figure it out um, and it, it really it's cool how it redefines your understanding of what winning the shadow war means because it's kind of cheesy the moment where it's super cheesy actually the moment where sheridan says uh you know shadows vorlons maybe the real way to win was not to fight at all <laughs> it's yeah. like okay um but that does feel it feels so much more fulfilling when they the way to win is to say, leave. Like, we don't want to fight this war. As opposed to, we did it. We blew we up Zaha Doom. We won. Right. The only nuking that happens this episode is on a different, on a fuck off island in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's cool. I, I wonder what the rest of the show is going to feel like because it sort of feels, my gut is like, you can't get bigger than what we did we mm -hmm. met the first dude we sent all the gods away so there's no like even older than the gods being i hope not i, I don't think <clears throat> i think that would suck yeah but then it feels like the re the rest of the show is going to feel like the comic books that were published by dark horse <laughs> <laughs> that the creator like outlined for somebody to write you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it's like the what the show would have been if it kept going except it's still the show and going. it's the same actors and same stuff right yeah um what i think it also made me realize um is there's just so many plots in the show like it's always felt like every season we see a major thing and go this is the plot of the season Mm -hmm. You know, this is the telepath season. This is the minbari civil war season. This is the shadow season and the show is like no no like everything is always happening we have things on the back of our burner that are there intentionally. We're yeah. not just focusing on this thing for the whole season. And all that stuff is still relevant. Like, we're going to wake up tomorrow. And like um, Garibaldi and Ivana were talking about last week, like, we still have Earth to deal with. We still have Clark. We still have Psychor. We don't know what's going on with some of the characters on the ship. Like, yeah, there's so much. Yeah, we don't so know what's going to happen to Narn. We don't know like, yeah. Centauri intrigue, what's happening there. Yeah. Yeah. What is a What is a Centauri Prime under the rule of Londo even look like right now? Mm -hmm. um so we have a lot to go um i do actually want to start with the centauri prime stuff because it's kind of like it feels a little bit more intimate i think than this global like yeah right yeah century war uh let's do it morden tells minister varini to gather the council or londo rather tells minister varini to gather the council um and we sort of immediately get this suggestion that he's taking things back because one of the council members talks to Londo and asks him about Lady Adira and it's like, Oh, like what's with that lady? And he's like, yeah, it's really, it's such a shame that, uh, what was even the guy's name? What was the other Centauri's Lord name? Rifa? Rifa. He's like, yeah, really so frustrating that Rifa killed her. And he's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he didn't. He's like, what? He's like, no, um, I don't know if anyone told you this, but like Morden is the one who, uh, killed, had Lady Adira killed. 
And before he says that, Londo is like, can you please say what you mean? The guy's like, I don't know if I can. He goes, if you, in my experience, if you cannot say what you mean, you never mean what you say. Or I think the other guy says that. Yeah. Yeah. You can never mean what you say. To Londo. Which is a good line. Well, the um, reason is because he, Londo calls Adira Lady Adira. And the dude's yes. like, no, no, she was not a lady. She was never a lady. And Londo's like, you're a dick. And he's like, no, I just am saying what's true yeah words have that's my job i am the minister of information yeah there's a oh this is so stupid i I found this like on the the lurker's guide it was like in this episode londo truly does have his wits about him his minister of w his minister of i for information his minister of t for something else shut up i don't i'm not even gonna find it but i saw that somewhere and i got really angry (laughs) hold on control f wits let's see if i can find this yep War, information, transportation, and security. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. I hope that wasn't intentional. Yeah, me neither. Same, 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 same. Um, so he's pissed. This is a great moment too, where Londo is like, "What is the line? He tri- he got me. He again. played me. He played, he played me. me like a puppet." And he just starts. Th- this is a just great like lashing out moment. Yeah. This is a better. Remember when Garibaldi, Garibaldi did this in front of all the really cops? Bad, yeah. And now Londo's like, no, I throw tables like a pro, and I know how to knock stuff off of things. This is great. Well, and it all comes down to direction, right? Because what was weird about Garibaldi's is it was a single wide static shot Yep. of him being like, I'm mad. And it looks stupid in this big room where everyone's looking at him. Yeah. But here, we got some shaky cam. We're kind of trying to follow Londo around, but he's moving too fast. Mm. um yeah it's way better it's it's just and it's really personal too like it doesn't yeah. just feel like he's lashing out to make a point it's like because he's, he's lashing out because he's desperate and sad and alone right and him being alone is such an important factor in this this scene working too yeah i so this goes back to when that first happened we kind of had a question about why was londo working with morden right away mm-hmm. um and I think, was it one of our listeners who was like, maybe it's a keep your enemies close kind of thing? And he knew what was going on? Yes, I believe that was a listener email. Mm, they misled us. They played us like a puppet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this scene is so good because you kind of know at this point that, like, Morden has to be taken care of this episode. Now that there's no more, like, sh- the shadow threat is being... Um, kind of like shifted away yeah, from he's, Centauri he's Prime. Done. It's over for Morden. It's a wash for Morden. Uh, Londo's throwing tables. He confronts Morden in the throne room. And furthering the thing you were saying earlier, where it's like the shadows and the Vorlons are now just like people. He just mm-hmm. is like, hey, soldiers, go k- just shoot them. Just kill the shadows that are standing next to Morden. They, we don't need yeah. to keep them around. Um, Morden immediately drops his like confident air. Also, Morden in this episode has like um, Centauri hair, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Which he's is so of, weird. Yeah, he's copying the culture. Also, he got all of his hair, all his skin back? Yeah, I think because they were going to light him in full light. <laughs> so they were like, this this isn't going to work. <laughs> we can't keep I, doing this doc, Dr. Doom shit. Yeah, him. it doesn't we work. Gotta, we're going to either have to make cl- him look like a dude again. If we're going to see his eyes as he like realizes that he's, he's completely owned right now, then we need to like uncover him. Yeah. Um, uh, Londo shoots his, has them shoot the shadows. He's like, Morden, take your shadows off of this. Take them off of a nearby planet. 
And he's like, Londo, my associates do not follow your orders. Fuck your eat my ass, Londo. <laughs> eat my ass, Londo. And Londo's like, okay. <laughs> and he just has a fucking remote control button. And it turns yeah, well, into a- Morden's like, what are you gonna do? Blow up the island? <laughs> and good and idea. I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there like, yeah, that's crazy. And Londo says, now that you mention it, I am fully a Bond villain all of a sudden. <laughs> Like, that's who I have become. If you go back and watch that scene, he actually does a little bit of a smirk when when Morden says that. He's like, huh, huh. Oh, what's this switch I have here? Click. And then you just yeah. see three nukes go off on the island and it's gone. This is so cartoonish and so satisfying. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, and he's not even done. He just killed... Londo just killed millions of people, FYI. No. There's no, okay, no, 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 because he said I evacuated everybody off the they island. No, you're right. You're they right. only left just enough people to make it look like they were still there. Yeah, that's fantastic. And those people knew what they were signing on for. They're yep. sort of the, the Brian Cranstons of the... The Ericsons. Yeah, the Ericsons of the Centauri. And he's not even done with Morden yet. This is not... He's not even like, all right, we're all done. And here's the best part. Um, we don't see Morden get killed. What we yeah. get is after some other stuff in the other plot line, we come back to Londo being like, Veer! I have a present for you. Yeah. And I'm curious how you felt about this scene because Veer, he says, go outside on the courtyard. I I have a present out there for you. Yeah. And we get the flashback in case they, because since it's probably, it's been like two years since this part in season two where, where Morden asks Veer what he wants. And he says, I want more than anything else to see your head on a pike so I can wave at it like this. And that's exactly what he sees Mm -hmm. is Morden's head on a pike. And that's exactly what he does is he does kind of like, smile at it and wave at it right um do you read this as like actually satisfying for veer or is this kind of is this also like a tragic like shit really tough to read i think for me because so much of his arc and conflict in the last episode was about how wrong it felt to kill the emperor and how wrong it felt to sort of take satisfaction out of him being dead Mm -hmm. and i think that has to stay a core conflict of veers is like he wants to do the right thing and he doesn't want blood to be a part of doing the right thing so for him to look at morden and give like this weird almost vaudevillian grin and wave yeah feels totally off from where he was in the last episode there's a lot of good facial acting happening there because he spends several seconds just kind of staring at it and i think that is where it's like the (laughs) it's like the scene from the simpsons where um millhouse gives the choo choo choose you card to lisa and then Mm -hmm. they watch back the part where she rejects him and they're like this is the part where you can see his heartbreak and they like play it frame by frame So you can see Veer looking at Morden's head being like, uh-oh, oh no, uh-oh. And then you have the moment where he's like, you know what? In the short term, I, I, I'm okay with this. Like, I think the wave is still him being nervous, but being like, I'm still going to take satisfaction in this. I don't know. There was something off. I think maybe there's like a jump cut in there too or something. Yeah, I'm looking it just, at it right now. It's It's a little weird. It just didn't feel that great. What it felt like, especially with the flashback, seeing the full scene where he says that to Morden, it felt like JMS being like, huh? 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 I told you. And then, huh? 
it's because it's not like the way I, I would have done this scene is for it to be some like corrupted version of what we thought it would be. Yeah. Where he's like, I can't wait to see your head on a pike. And then he like sees it, but it like looks disgusting. And there's like people crying over it or something. And it's like, no, it's literally his head is on a pike. He was killed by Londo. He's dead. Veer waves at him. Exactly right. like he said. Nothing is different. Um, but again, I do think that's intentional. I think that either it's supposed to make us think, uh-oh, is Veer okay with this? Is he still having doubts? Like, where is his head at now that he got the thing he wanted so badly? I just don't think that was communicated very well in the way yeah. that it was shot and it, performed. It's because, a really quick scene, too. Yeah, because it just comes across... Because he has such... In the flashback, he speaks with such certainty about it that it just feels like that is what it is. And there's not really nuance in the way that this moment is presented to us. Right. And it's it's funny to compare it to like the scene towards the end because we jump ahead now. We don't get Londo and Veer for a while. We get a bunch of shadow stuff. And then at the end, we get Londo and Veer in like a dark room talking about all this stuff. And Londo has that amazing Londo line about how every time he's been happy, the universe conspired to do something nasty to him. Mm-hmm. And Vera's like, I think you're allowed to be happy this time. Yeah, that's at the very end of the episode. Yeah, I don't think any one of our gods would object Londo Malari having one single night of happiness. And it's like, I can only read that as dreaded foreshadowing. Yeah, I can only read <laughs> like, it like Londo that. is doomed. You're 100%. confirming it. Being like, Londo, it's fine. Like, you find you won, right? Like, you won. Especially because Vera says, I suppose, at the end. <laughs> you're just like, are you, you're, you're solidifying it. Yeah, like we're fucked. Yeah, Londo sends Veer back to Babylon 5, as the, I guess, as the ambassador. It's going to be a good time for Veer to be back. It'd be like, now that all of the other plots are done, he can just mm-hmm. be an ambassador for a minute. Yeah. Remember that part in like season one, episode two, when uh, when he was like, Veer, be the ambassador for five minutes. I'll be right back. Don't blow the, don't sell the country. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yeah. I don't, so I don't fully get what Morden got out of londo killing rifa i guess it just morden distracted londo from going after morden is that it what i think like, yeah Londo's well, yeah, like, like what he played his... he played me but like what did he play you to do because getting rid of rifa was also vital to saving centauri prime sure but when he got rid of rifa Londo turned to Morden and said, I'll work with you one more time. To do what? To get rid of Rifa, right? To get rid of Rifa, I guess, yeah. But he didn't use Rifa to he, do that? Or he didn't yeah, use he didn't Morden use to Morden, do that? Right, that's where I'm confused. That is a little strange. I guess it just Morden, like, distracted Londo from keeping the Not realizing off. what's happening, which is that they're they're yeah. letting Cartagia take the throne. Yeah, I guess. Like, by anyway. distracting them with this Rifa plotline, he's like, actually, now I can just put Cartagia right there, and, and now I have a puppet on the throne. Yeah. Um, I guess that's what it is. But I think the... Yeah, the other really powerful scene from the Londo plot that we sort of alluded to when we were talking about last episode was that the Vorlons are coming to Centauri Prime. We have this interesting exchange between lita and marcus where lita's like dude there are like a ton of people on centauri prime and the vorlands are about to blow them up mm-hmm. and marcus is like yeah but we can only save one planet and they have fewer people so 
they're gonna blow up unless they can like figure their shit out uh londo thinks that he's gotten rid of all the shadow influence and he gives the vorlons a call he's like hey guys we're good like i just i blew him up uh you're great and bye and then veer says well you haven't gotten rid of all of the shadow influence oh yeah Uh, looks at londo points at londo you londo has this panic moment of like not for me they wouldn't blow up the whole planet just to kill me that was like fuck man it was that and it was just how quickly and comfortably londo was being like more i'm a veer just kill me kill me now before they can yeah and it's like wow he just won and he's already like all right end it take me take me out like he knows that his life isn't worth anything if it's not gonna go the way he expected it to he's not letting himself be tricked another time he's like just i'm I'm ready to do it right this second yeah that's and a really they, redeeming moment for londo it is he's finally doing some sort of self-sacrifice and letting mm-hmm. himself and putting himself on the back burner while things while history happens mm-hmm. uh fortunately the the vorlons peace out immediately mm-hmm. because of what's going on on babylon 5 yeah. So this is a nice little like, or what's of... going on with the Babylon Five people? Yes, yes, with the people yeah. on Babylon Five. Um, this is a really good handoff of an A and B plot, just as like a storytelling method, I think, mm-hmm. because you're watching these in the show, obviously back and forth happening. But then after this scene, it's like, all right, now there's no more Londo Veer stuff until they hug it out at the end, mm-hmm. which is a good, you know, cute moment. But yeah. Um, do you want to get into this uh, this oh, big heavy let's stuff? Let's try. Let's see. Let's see what we can make of it. So I think best effort is to just kind of go semi linearly. Okay. John, John's telling Delenn to tell Ivanova to quote haul ass because we still get humor in this show, and uh-huh. Delenn's like haul ass, and that doesn't sound that sounds painful. Like butts. <laughs> you going to drive with your butt? <laughs> I do like this stuff. Uh, and I do like that the show remembers that it can be a little bit funny every once in a while still. Mm-hmm. Um, we get lots of Lita being sad about shadows approaching. And uh, she tries to communicate with the Vorlons um, and like kind of tell them to stop because they're like, you're the, only, you've the, you're the only human who's ever like spoken to them and been an, a vessel of them. Why don't you try to talk to them? And she does. And then they possess her. Mm-hmm. She throws John and Delon into stasis fields. And... It appears Lorian knows what's going on and tells Lanier, back off. This has to happen. And then the episode gets weird. And it, the thing that I was kind of, I don't know, like it's whatever. But ever since John came back from being dead, his plans have been kind of invisible to the audience. Right. In a way that I, I, I don't know. I feel conflicted about that because mm-hmm. it's turned him into this sort of all-knowing guy. Because Lorian's like, don't worry, he knew that this was going to happen. This thing where they, both of, both the Vorlons and the Shadows agreed to take Lita over at the same time. And then talked to, separately, John and Delenn. And now Lorian is broadcasting the whole interaction to everybody with his powers. It's like, how how did we know that that was... How do was... we know this was all going to work flawlessly? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do we know that that was going to be the chain of events? It's um, like some Vorlon great chain of command or like great uh, fate sort of thing. Like this was yeah. all intended. Right. My problem with this whole scene is like, it's good, but it's so... I don't want to say it's so video gamey because video games went on to do this after this show mostly. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
but it's very like Bioware moral choicey, especially once it's just <laughs> the literal Vorlon and Shadow in front of Sheridan afterwards. But for now, um, John is talking to a veiled bride inside of a cocoon, and that's supposed to be the Vorlons. Uh, I think that's a really cool. It's a gorgeous image. Vorlons, yeah. yeah. Um, and Delenn's version of the shadows is her friends. It's Franklin, it's Sheridan, it's uh, Lanier, it's Marcus. Mm-hmm. It's everybody talking to her as her friends. Um, the Vorlons tell Sheridan that, like, we had plans for you. Why, When you guys don't follow our plans, things tend to go bad for you. Don't you know that? He's like, that's not fair that you guys don't get to decide who makes you the decision makers. Mm-hmm. Um, the shadows are telling Delenn that, like, even the Mimbari, for example, got better when we put them through a lot of war and rigor like aren't you guys doing great and she's like no we're not like we could we can figure this out on our own mm-hmm. basically both of them are, are are kind of rooting for independence and, and self-sufficiency uh instead of this predestination or like forced failure you know right um they after they cl- they get out of the sort of like invisible fields well, or whatever yeah and just the thing I think that's the point of them interacting with the Vorlons and the Shadows mm-hmm. is to reveal, like, because John asked the Vorlons directly, hey, so you've had, like, a planet-destroying cannon this whole time. Yeah. Why did you not blow up Zahadoom? Why right. have you not already done this? If you really wanted to destroy the Shadows, you would have done that. But you don't. What you want is for us to destroy the shadows mm-hmm. and to like choose to follow you and tell you that you're right. And what the shadows want is for us to choose to follow them and tell them that they're right. Both of you want us to choose, but you're forcing us to get there. Doesn't that seem kind of counterintuitive? Yeah. And like your war is not like they weren't attacking each other directly. Because they don't want to fight each other yeah. through war. They want the younger races to like follow them and fight for them. And that's I think like this is fucked up. It, weird it's brilliant too because Sheridan says what the truth of what this is. He's like, it's just like your two parents yeah. who instead of arguing with each other are just having their kids be their sort of puppets to fight the other parent. Yeah. Like what you guys don't want to talk it out you never figure it out what your own ideology is and then when they come out and they're on the white star again uh we see like i said a literal like a, a vorlon and a shadow in front of them yeah which is kind of dumb looking but it's yeah, this it is, is super is. like bioware like pick the blue or red option yeah. um and they're like it is now your time to choose and lorian's like sheridan like you're about to define history choose correctly be careful i can't help you <laughs> i'm not allowed to help i can I'm tell you the walk answer away but... now bye so to, speaking of parentalist yeah um Jaden has a really smart moment where he's like, all right, you got, you guys ask me what, who are you and what do you want? And you guys ask me what, like your questions. Um, what are your answers to your own questions? Do you guys know who you are? Do you guys know what you want? Yeah. And they have no answer for him. And so what they realize is like the shadows and the Vorlons have been fighting for so long that they don't know why they're fighting anymore. Yeah. They kind of are just going through the motions. He's like, this mm-hmm. is just going to happen again. You're never going to solve it because you've never stopped to think about why you're fighting. You're just fighting because you've always been doing this. Yeah. Doesn't this seem worthless, you guys? I reject both of your ideologies. And then Lorian's like, nice. 
Nice, dude. Now I can nice. help. Now I can help you. All right, let's go, guys. He's the parent to the parents. Man, like, all right, kids, pack it up, get the war out of here. Yeah. The humans figured it out. Basically, they got they got the correct answer on the test. They always pick C. They got it. Um, <laughs> here comes here's the keys to my uh, SUV. Basically, he's like, now your race gets to be do what we did. And he talks earlier, actually, there's like a little like a uh, first one lore about yeah. how the first ones he's telling Ivanova how the reason they lived so long was not because of any magic, but just because they had a really, really low birth rate. So the people who did survive lived extremely long lives and they lived mm-hmm. long enough to nurture the shadows and the Vorlons. Yeah. But as a result, living a long life means that you like he says about the shadows and the Vorlons detach yourself from emotions and feelings. Yeah. And so he's like, the reason the younger races are great. It's because you guys can believe the myth that feelings and emotions are eternal. Yeah. Because your lives are too short to prove yourself wrong. Right. He's like the thing, like lifespans got shorter because that's what makes the universe interesting is when generations come of age and die and cycle out. And he says the line specifically is... uh, It takes. What does he say? I texted it to you. You did. Can you uh, look? I don't have my phone. The problem is that we text. Only those whose lives are brief can imagine that love is eternal. Fuck me up. <laughs> so good. Fuck me up. You can't live long enough because then you'll realize that none of this matters. You'll just be like the first ones. You'll be like the shadows and the vorlons. You'll just be like, I guess we keep fighting. Yeah. But when you're low, when you're sure, and you live you run hot in a way like you just mm-hmm. live with your whole heart you can experience all those feelings and, and accept that they're real and not fall for the truth that they are it's all fleeting right it's kind it's beautiful it's just like a really nice conclusion to like all of these plots it's like yeah there's a reason that you, we've had you guys fight is because you need you need to figure this out on your own and you did yeah um i think it's a little weird though that he's like all right now you guys are going to basically be the new first ones and if you live long enough, you can now do this for other people, for other races, I mean, <laughs> which like we're not going to see that, obviously, but it's kind of fun to be like, oh, cool. Like we got the we get to be the the gods to some other sci fi show now. I mean, don't say you know, that we're not going to see it. You never know. Right. That's true. We never. Yeah. We could get like a jump um, into like 3361 or something. Yeah. I think it's I think that's cool that it's like, hey, this is just how the world is going to work that mm-hmm. a species comes of age and nurtures the next thing and then they do that and then they leave i think that's like a great cosmology or fiction that i haven't really seen other sci-fi entities do um so i'm i'm a fan of it and i thought i don't know <laughs> i don't know how to feel about this i found it endearing i guess the moment where Lorien was like, okay, all right, Vorlines and Shadows, you ready to go, you guys? We're going to go meet all our old friends. And they're like, we're not going to be alone? And he's like, no, no, we're all going to hang out in in heaven forever. In eternity space. Yeah, and they're like, yay. Yay. They got um, snacks? <laughs> yeah, of course, all the snacks you could want. They got the Oreo Thins and the Oreos with peanut butter. It's fucking Yay, sick. That's the Yay. basis of our ideological difference. Wow. Um, never mind <laughs> the, the like mass genocides that they both carried out. Lorian's it's like, a little clean. <laughs> yeah, Lorian's like, all right, well, time to go, huh? 
that was fun. They're like, oh, yeah. Okay, Dad. He says, all right, guys, you guys can now be the, you'll nurture the other younger races. We will wait for you. And then he also turns into like a beam of light and then vanishes into the dark. Bye, Lorian. Nice to meet you. Uh, the cool part is that the younger races now have control of the ga- of the universe. The less cool part is that all of that conflict is now just on their hands. Like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of dead people and a lot of like residual conflict to deal with. But that's what being alive is for them. Yeah. There's conflict for them to be. They're not going to like fix conflict, you know? Yeah. Um, then Sheridan comments that it's time for the third age to begin, which answers a question that we had so long ago. Uh, we were like, what do they mean the, the third, third age? age of mankind? What does that mean? And he's like, yeah. So, and Delenn is like, what does that mean? Why'd you say that? Mm-hmm. Um, the first age was when we tried to figure shit out, but we didn't have any help when we were just like Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. The second ra- age is the one we were just in where other races tried to tell us how to figure things out. And the third age, like the first one, is us figuring things out on our own. But now we know that we can do it. He says, and this is the corniest ending line of any episode, maybe. Yeah. Now we make our own magic. Now we create our own legends. Now we build the future. Now we stop being afraid yeah delen says well but delen's like or no we stop well how does that go because delen says some of that yeah i think she might say magic like they might go back and forth or something yeah they go back and forth i'll double check but then it's yeah now we stop being afraid of shadows he like cuts her off to say the shadows thing yeah yep 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 i thought of this great clever thing delen and she sort of laughs and goes ha 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 oh sheridan you're so smart. You're so funny. I don't even know where we are right now. We're just sitting. Like, maybe they're sitting at the front of the bridge. And, like, everybody else is at the control panels. And they're, like, just kind of cuddling at the window. Lanier's like, all right, so you want me to drive? You want to go to Babylon 5? Or what are we doing? Yeah, she says the whole thing. And then she says, now we stop. And then there's a long pause where we zoom into Babylon 5. And then he's like being afraid of shadows. Corny, corny, corny. corny I like good. it though. Corny but good. All right. Yeah, this is over. just them in the back. Yeah. This is them in the back seat of the White Star, and then they're like, "Oh, I guess we're going back to B five. Let's figure some stuff out there." You um, could you could end the show here. We right? could absolutely end the show here. Absolutely. Like we could stop watching, and I don't think I would feel that bad. I think part of the reason for that is we're used to show. I'm gonna sneeze. Okay, sneeze. The sneeze is gone. Okay. <laughs> we're keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the We're used to shows that end prematurely. And so right. you could be like, oh, I guess they never did figure out the Garibaldi stuff. Oh, well, the ending was good. And you just True, move on. Yeah, yeah, that's just sort of something you accept in television, right? Yeah, sometimes shows don't end perfectly. But this is like, this is a satisfying ending that you didn't have to follow up on, actually. Mm-hmm. But thank you for doing it anyways, because yeah, I'm excited. But, there, but the more you think about it, the more you're like, well, there are things that have been set right. up that haven't been explored. Like, what's exactly. up with Garibaldi? What's going to happen to the Mimbari? What's the whole Earth shit? All that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have more. We have somehow so much more show to watch. We have like a season, like I said, season three-fourths to go. Oh, yeah. And a lot of movies. So, I mean... I figure Garibaldi stuff is next, and then probably Psychor stuff, and yeah. then they work with Psychor and they like beat Earth with Psychor. 
maybe. Really? No, or they beat. I feel like Psychor is the bad guys. Do you think? Okay, but Bester so. was like, "We're cool, guys." No, he's gonna be bad again. I'm pretty. I I would bet you money. I believe it. I believe. I'll, I'll, I'm ready to believe it. You want to know what we're watching next week? I do. What are we watching next week? Well, we're watching the next two episodes of Babylon Five, Season Four. Can I uh, get my we, headphones? Did we get non-spoilery summaries this time or no? We did. We have them for the rest of the season. Oh, we did. great. That's great. Um, you want to you read the non-spoilery ones, and then I'll read the spoilery ones, and then tell sure. you to come back. Okay. Wait, so, who goes first? Uh, what? Who go? Oh, you're gonna read yours to the listener, and then I'm gonna. No, I think you read yours. Okay. And then I read mine. Okay. The Amazon. So mine ones. come from uh, our buddy Danny, who sent us non-spoilery descriptions of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, next week we're watching season four, episode seven, Epiphanies. Bester arrives at Babylon 5 with information regarding Earth's escalating isolation of the station. Garibaldi delivers some surprising news to the command staff. All right, so we are going to see some Bester, huh? He's pregnant. Pregnant. Uh, Season 4, Episode 8, The Illusion of Truth. The command staff gets a surprise as ISN send a reporter to, quote, get their side of the story to the station. Yes, I love the fake news stuff. Um, Not the fake news stuff. You know what I mean, the news report stuff. The... Honestly, it's only the summary for episode seven that's a spoiler, and it's not even actually a spoiler. Okay. I'll these are these are fine. Okay. You'll be fine. Uh, so Amazon summaries for season four, episode seven, Epiphanies. Earth prepares to shut down Babylon 5. Oops. Hate kind to of see the it. Same, kind of the same thing as what you read from Danny. Yeah. And then season four, episode eight, The Illusion of Truth, a propagandist news reporter visits Babylon 5. So those are fine. There's some other ones that are pretty spoilery later in yeah. the season. Well, I have, um, yeah, I have the rest of season four here as well. So shout outs to Danny and shout outs to everybody for listening. Yeah. Um, John, would you like us to take it to the plug zone? Let's do it. Fabulo. If you would like to email us questions, comments, concerns, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, please email us at chatspod at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at chatspod on Twitter where we uh, receive comments and people follow us. And I post our Babylon 5 memes that people send us. Um, and it's great. We learned that Sheridan really likes oranges. Yep. <laughs> what the yep. fuck? We uncovered this weird uh, set of memes all centered around that idea. That Sheridan loves oranges, orange juice, and the whole it's like a it's like a whole thing, you it's guys. Like, same, yeah. like a based on an episode we've already seen. It's not even like, oh, you guys haven't seen this yet. It's like, no, we just flew over our heads. Yeah, we missed it. Yeah, which is sometimes that happens. It do be like that. Um you ever think that I'm saying the word doobie when I do that? No. Okay, well I am. Do it doobie. Oh, doobie. Um you can and also should support us at patreon.com slash chats pod. An exciting mm. announcement over there. Um, you can back the Patreon and get bonus content right now at one dollar. Nope, at two dollars a month. No, nope. currently. No. What's commentary at? Isn't it three? No, Magellan, you're being ridiculous, dude. It's always been two. Yeah, dude. I think it's. At, I think it's two. We have it at I'm two gonna, and five. Yeah, it's two and five. Hmm. Let me just start this part over. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I also goofed up a couple times. 
You also can and should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash chatspod. Currently at $2 a month, you can get our monthly commentary chats podcast where we watch a movie with you every month and talk over it. At $5 a month, you get Chats Nights, where every two weeks, Majun and I um, accept listener suggestions for what to read or watch, or we just kind of hang out. And it's a really fun show that I recommend you listen to. Yeah. Um, if we are able to reach $50 a month on that Patreon, then those tiers will be going down to $1 and $3, respectively. And then mm-hmm. if you once we hit that tier as well, at $5 a month, you'll be getting Pilot Chats, where you get to hear us um, pilot new shows to do for the next season of Chats, which is... Yeah. A fun little perk. I I just want to d- double down on mentioning that shift in the the tier structuring. Yeah. Um, like if you're in the position where it's like, oh, I want to back these guys. I like them, but like five dollars a month, you know, I could do X Y Z with that money. I get it. I'm there with you. Um, and we want we want to get to the point where we can just have like a bunch of people who are tossing us a buck every month and that adds up. Right. Um, that would be sort of ideal. And then really rewarding the people who have stuck with us and funded us for a while by continuing to create new content and respond to the community and, you know, get your feedback and your input and kind of open up the production of this show to, to be a Mm. shared thing among lots of different people so for us like choosing the next show to watch is a big choice because i mean babylon 5 is something we're going to be watching for over a year on this show right and so i think before we pick babylon 5 we we must have piloted like what probably six shows or something i think six so or seven yeah different mm-hmm. shows um uh, maybe eight i don't even remember but and at every kind of juncture, we've done similar, like, watch three shows, figure out which one we like the most. So we thought it would be cool to let people in on that process and get some feedback on what you find the most interesting. Because also for us, we want this to be a show where people follow us from from show to show. Show to show. Uh, mm-hmm. And that only really happens if you're a part of the process. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got for that. I'll try to be putting up polls with pilot chats if and when we reach that goal so that people who back at that yeah, level we've, can we've got can some, vote. We've got some ones that we want to do, mm-hmm. and then we would love to just get suggestions. Like if you have a favorite show that you don't think it's a lot of play, but you think people would really like to listen to a podcast right. about, uh, we'd love to hear that. Because that's For how sure. we discovered Babylon 5. It was suggested to us. Exactly. By yeah. listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check that stuff out we're currently at 45 dollars a month so we're like just ba- we're, we're, we're like so basically close. there we just need you know one two three more people to hop on the bandwagon and the whole game could change right uh and you get to be a part of that and you get to help out so please yeah. consider checking it out um Magellan, that's enough for our shameless uh financial plugs what is your chatsum for this week my chatsum for this week is a friend of mine a couple days ago or maybe a week ago at this point texted me and said hey i'm watching this like british game show that i think is made for your brain and you should oh. watch it and i think other people should watch it too it's like all on youtube which you know those things i don't do i condone that no Am I watching it? Yes. yes. So does that mean I condone it? Yes, I guess it does. Uh, 
is a show called Only Connect. And the way that Only Connect works is there are two teams of three. Everything that they do, they're cooperating with their teammates. Um, the first round is there are four words or pictures or sound bites or names or whatever that are revealed to your team one by one. The more of the things you reveal, the easier it is to guess at what you're trying to guess at, which is the theme that connects all of them. Uh, and it could be like something like all of these are words that spell something else backwards, or it could be like all of these are prime ministers from the 50s or I don't know, like stuff like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And every time you reveal a clue, there are fewer points that you could get in that round. So if you can get the connection from just seeing one thing, you get five points and then progressively less. That's the first round. And then the second round is you can see up to three things and you have to guess what the fourth thing would be in the sequence but they don't tell you what the sequence is is about. So you have to get the connection and then guess the fourth thing. Huh. Um, and then the round after that is like they give you a grid of 16 things and you have to find the four groups. And then the round at the end oh. is... Uh, what's the round at the end? The round, oh, the round at the end, I don't know. They might change this in future seasons is my hunch. I'm not sure. But the round at the end is they like give you the word or the name, but they take all the vowels out. Missing and they, vowels, And yeah. they tell you uh, what the category is, and you have to guess what the thing is based on that. My, that's, I don't, I'm not crazy about that round, but the other rounds I think are really cool. So yeah. check it out. It's one. It's a fun show to just kind of toss on in the background, and it's one of those game shows that's like hard, you know? Yeah, it sounds brutal. It's like brutally hard and you'll get maybe one thing right at home in an episode. But when you do, you're like, "Oh yeah. I'm the smartest I'm smart. person." Oh yeah. Um so I yeah. love game shows like that. Delivery what, uh, What's your chat some? Uh my chat some this week is uh a Netflix original anime series. Uh, that I recently watched the second season of. It's called Agretsuko. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, based on a Sanrio property. Sanrio, like the people who made Hello Kitty and that whole um, brand. Um, and Agretsuko herself is a 25-year-old uh, red panda, anthropomorphic red panda. Sure. Um, the premise of the series is that she works in an office, working a pretty boring job in Japan. And uh, it's just about her, like, you know, life, love, friendship, um learning what to live for that kind of thing uh it's a lot smarter than it kind of comes off as at first because it is a cartoon and it is a little bit dark but i definitely wouldn't put it in the same category as like a bojack horseman where a lot of the point is like look how real this is Mm. um it's mostly just deeply relatable like it's not only the fact that i'm literally like a couple days away from being the same age as retsuko but just like she has a lot of people in her life who encourage her to like her mom. She has like this whole relationship with her mom in the second season. Who's always trying to like match her up with guys. And, you know, she definitely wants to be in a relationship, but 
you know she also wants to focus on her career Mm -hmm. and she has like this best friend who um worked in the office for a while and then quit to start her own business and she's like really jealous because it seems really freeing as a woman to be able to do that but the other friend is like having trouble running her own business and you know she has a terrible boss and the first season's all about her like trying to you know take give give one to her boss and have him learn how shitty of a dude he is in this like toxic environment at work Mm -hmm. um it's really, really charming. It's also pretty funny. Um, the sort of like narrative hook of it is that the reason it's called a Gretzko is it's a portmanteau of aggressive Retsuko. Retsuko meaning red panda and the character's name. Hmm. And so her whole thing is whenever she gets really angry and wherever like life is getting frustrating, she goes to karaoke at night by herself and just screams to heavy metal music. And like the scenes where she's doing that are really funny because they just like make it like hyper saturated she's got like blood pouring out of her eyes and stuff and she's like you know rah, 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 and yelling about stuff and then she comes out of it like ah oh, that was really refreshing and good and sometimes people will see her do that and be like damn all of that you had all of that in your head because she's normally such a timid like nice girl mm-hmm. um i really love it i think it's really funny and just charming um also a big sell for me is that all the episodes are about 15 minutes long and it's two 10 episode seasons so you could do the whole series in an afternoon if you wanted to um and there's good arcs too like there's a fake elon musk in the second season Hmm. which is a whole thing she dates the fake elon musk it's great definitely check it out it's called aggretsuko a-g-g-r-e-t-s-u-k-o it's on the flicks and that dear listener is going to do it for this episode of chat salon five peace